Those have been kind of the, the main aspects and putting it all together, I've adopted this routine that I will maintain during my actual run. And everything that's gonna be happening very soon is extremely exciting and extremely overwhelming because I know the journey is going to be extremely hard. Uh, I think I did like the rough math and it's like 1.8 million steps I'll be taking. And a majority of those steps is going to be me mentally pushing through the different pains and experiences that I'm having. You're listening to the Sasquad Trail Runners podcast, where every run is a trail party. On this week's episode, we're sharing the recording from our Run Venture Zoom series on June 17th, 2020, where we got to hear from ultra runner James Leitner. James is the founder of Mission Clean Water, which provides sustainable water sources around the world. In July of 2020, James ran 30 miles a day for 30 days to raise over $36,000. So sit back and relax or grab your hydration pack and hit the trails and enjoy the show. Welcome everybody to the (laughs) Sasquad Trail Running Run Venture Zoom series. You'll notice that um, this looks a little bit different than two weeks ago when we had (laughs) Maggie Guterell on and we had, we'll call it technical issues. We had Great some, way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, we, we had some not PG rated hacking that went on. So <laughs> we're going to play it safe this week with James. Um, it's obviously you can see it's just me and James on this Zoom video and we are live streaming to our Facebook page. Um, so you can tune in there. We're going to be here for the next hour or so. So this week, like I said, we are so excited to hear from local ultra runner and Mission Clean Water founder James Leitner who will be sharing his story about the 900 miles he will be running in July. But before James takes over I want to share a little bit of background with you about Sasquad Trail Running for anybody who's on this video who's not familiar with us. We started hosting trail races back in 2018 and we now have trail races that are all around the state of New Jersey. We like to call them trail parties. Our, our motto is every run is a trail party. So obviously 2020, the global pandemic has changed um, not only our plans, but everybody's plans have been impacted. So we're rolling with it. We're, we're being creative with how we are staying connected with you guys. You know, obviously this Zoom series is one of the ways we are doing that. We are also doing a couple of virtual events. Right now we're hosting a series called the Magically Mythical Virtual Race Series with distances ranging from 5K up to 100 miles. And you can register for that on runsignup.com. And then from July 1 to 15 for two weeks, we are making our Fat Sass Switchback Challenge race semi-virtual in the sense that we're going to go out and mark the course for you. It's going to be marked every day for two weeks from July 1 to 15. And then you can sign up for our event and get out there anytime you want between uh, those two those two weeks, and then you'll submit your times to us and we'll put on ultra sign up. So it's gonna be really fun. It's one of our most fun races of the year. It just wasn't obviously feasible for this summer, but it's a one mile loop. You go up 300 feet, down 300 feet over the course of a mile, and you can sign up to do a 5K, which would be three loops, or you can try to do as many loops as you can in three hours or six hours. So that's gonna be a ton of fun. And then right in the middle of that on July 14th, this year, we are teaming up with the local series that happens every summer called the 10 Day of 10Ks. This is a really, really awesome community effort that goes on locally in Essex County area where this organization called Men New Jersey, they are raising funds through these 10Ks. 
And then that helps give fresh produce to families in need around our area. So on July 14th, we're gonna mark our course, our 5K loop, that's also at the South Mountain Reservation in West Orange. And you can get out anytime on that day, July 14th, and do the 10K. So you can do two loops to do 10K. You can do more, you can do less, um, whatever floats your boat. So July is shaping up to be a really, really fun month. Also with that, the Switchback Challenge, we're supporting our charity partner, Livingston Neighbors Helping Neighbors, who also gives direct food and financial relief to families in need in our community. And to backtrack a little bit, the end of June, last weekend in June, we're hosting our second virtual plogging and trail cleanup weekend. So we did this for the first time, it was back in May, I think, where we hosted this event. You go out on your favorite local trail, it could be anywhere around the country and around the world, it's a virtual event, and then you're just going to pick up trash. So making a big impact on your local trails. You guys know if you've been out there that there's a lot more foot traffic and there's a ton more trash. It drives me nuts and I know it drives everybody crazy. So I started thinking, you know what, instead of me complaining about it, I'm going to go out there and try to make a difference. So we collected over 55 bags of trash last time. So hopefully we can beat that record with this weekend coming up at the end of June. So again, like I said, July is shaping up to be a really big month because another piece of that is James. So <laughs> I want to give a short intro to, to James. I met James last year when he came and volunteered at one of our events. And if you've ever met James, you know that he is an incredibly genuine person who is truly full of joy. And when I met him, it was at the, the Squatchung Surprise at the Wachung Reservation. Um, he was sharing, and also incredibly humble, like it took an entire conversation for him to start sharing about what he does and the incredible things that he's doing um, with his charity. So he told me his story. Um, and if you're familiar with Sasquad, you know that we always have charity partners for our, for our events. So I was super moved by his story um, and the incredible nonprofit organization that he founded, Mission Clean Water. And I immediately wanted to support his mission, which is to provide clean drinking water around the world. So we stayed in touch after the race, the year went on, and um, he started, you know, doing some brainstorming, thinking like, I want to come up with this challenge in the summer, big challenge to raise a ton of money for this school in Uganda. And he came up with this challenge to run 30 miles a day for 30 days to raise $30,000 for this all-girls all school in Uganda to have clean drinking water, which is incredible that you do the math, that's 900 miles that he's going to be covering in the month of July, which is amazing. All right, so without further ado, James is going to take over. He's going to chat for about 20 to 30 minutes. All right, thank you. All right, well, thank you for everyone that is um, currently listening in or attending one of the live videos. Uh, thank you, Kim, for organizing this. Thank you for all the Sasquatch and different running club community members here joining me today. And thank you for, if this is your first time uh, hearing my story or you know logging on to Sasquatch's Facebook page uh, to hear what I kind of have to say. And uh, as you probably heard, July is gonna be a very fun month for myself and for everyone. Uh, there's lots going on, and for the month of July, as Kim said, I'll be running 30 miles a day for 30 days to fully fund a clean water project for this all-girls school in Uganda. Uh, but today, I'm going to be sharing with you kind of my entire journey, uh, a little bit about clean water, not too much going into the mission, but also kind of the entire journey that has led up to what I'll be doing in July. Because I think it's important to cover all that because every single event, every single emotional day running has kind of led to this event. 
and the overall training and to be fully uh, prepared. So I'm gonna be intermittently sharing my screen with everyone. And in case you're just listening on with audio, I'll make sure to try and describe some of the pictures that I'm sharing with everyone, just so you kind of fully understand what's going on. But uh, I think a good note to start on is that if you talk to me maybe four or five years ago, uh, I would have left if you ever told me I was gonna be a distance runner. Uh, it was never overall uh, insanely appealing to me. I think because I grew up in a sports career, I guess you can say, as a sprinter through soccer and ultimate frisbee. So it wasn't until I moved to West Virginia that I decided through a lot of hiking that distance running could be a lot of fun. Uh, all of the events that I have done have always had kind of a mission and a tie to clean water. And when I moved to West Virginia, I lived in a town of like 300 people. So it was hard to still very actively fundraise and be focused around, you know, helping people that don't have access to clean water. And so I wanted to do a fundraiser never really done before. And we're going to try and really focus about what that first fundraiser and first big event actually was. Now I'm going to share my screen. All right. So when I say, this is the only time I'm really gonna talk, ooh, nope, a little too far, too far forward. Now this is gonna be the only main time I really talk about clean water, but this is kind of the photo that really wanted me to get involved in endurance running because I more or less learned that children every day are walking to try and find water for their family. Uh, their walk happens every day because you need water every day to drink, wash stuff with, wash your dishes, wash your clothes. Uh, and I really wanted to try and find a very symbolic way of helping me, helping different people involved in this world. Uh, and I wanted to do something never really completed before. So my very first step into, I guess, endurance style events was completing a marathon, uh, but in a very unique way. So if you see this picture right here, typically someone will carry about five gallons of water to get water for their family, which is enough for one or two people a day. And that amount of water weighs about 45 pounds. So I had the crazy idea of carrying 45 pounds of water on my head. And so this big blue container uh, that you can barely grab your hand around uh, and show what people are doing every day to try and get access to clean water. Uh, I've never been a distance runner before this, and it was uh, February. And I was like, I like this idea. And on a whim, just paid for the New Jersey Marathon ticket. And I was ready to give this a shot. Uh, the training really kind of, the training for this really kind of helped me prepare the mental game for the next few things I, I would accomplish solely because not only did I have to train to run a marathon, but I had to train to hold a 45 pound weight that's constantly shifting and moving above my head for the entire duration of the event. And so May came very close and very quickly. Uh, I found out what worked well for me. I found that really key pace to keep moving and felt really, you know, I felt okay about what I was doing. Uh, and just the New Jersey Marathon came. I went to the very back of the line with my big blue jug and people were staring. And uh, eventually it was our turn to cross the start line and we were more or less off and beginning. Uh, I experienced everything that you would expect from a runner in a marathon or a very big event, or even in half marathons and such, where you have the, 
the different walls and the camaraderie with other runners. And each race that I did kind of had different unique aspects to it. With the New Jersey Marathon, this was the first one that I did, but I decided after completing this one that I would do a marathon a month for a year, which kind of began my first routine of running almost every single day and beginning adopting the idea of really enjoying this as an activity, but doing it in a very symbolic way to help people get access to clean water. Uh, July is going to be a very hot month, and we'll talk more about that. But these marathons kind of gave me that first experience where if I'm doing one a month, I have to experience all the different extreme weathers that are going to be thrown at me. I think in June, I did one that was like 102 degrees in Elkton, Maryland. That was my very first trail race, too. Uh, and I just remember being at like mile 14 and beginning to experience such high levels of exhaustion and wanting to stop. But because I was in the middle of a trail, I had nowhere to go. So I just kind of had to keep on finishing the race. Uh, if you happen to do the NJ Trail Series Winter Marathon uh, in January, I was there in 2017 carrying this big blue jug with me. About halfway through, the water completely froze. And for the last loop, because you have to do about four seven mile loops or so, I had to have someone run it with me because I could no longer really see the trail and didn't want to risk tripping or anything. So each of these events kind of brought unique aspects to it, but definitely those extreme lows that I had to kind of pick myself up out of and move forward. But also most importantly, it began helping me kind of adopt that routine of being able to train regularly and develop something that has led to, or the beginning aspects of where I am now. Uh, I finished my last marathon in Indiana, the Indiana or the Carmel Marathon, excuse me. And three weeks afterwards, I kind of began the next journey, which is this green line right here. So if you're listening on audio, you more or less have this up and down green line going all the way through America, uh, starting in Princeton, New Jersey, going west all the way to San Francisco, California. So I wanted to do the next symbolic journey because these marathons more or less got me addicted to kind of this endurance style, this endurance lifestyle of experiencing all these different emotions and things while running. I wanted to try and find new ways of pursuing it and complete more symbolic fundraisers. And I decided that I wanted to walk how far a child will walk in a year to try and get access to clean water. I did the rough math and that was about 3,250 miles. So I made a green line all the way across America to walk across America to cover how far a child will walk in a year to get access to water. But I also wanted to symbolize what a family does. And so if you have four people in your family, five gallons might be enough for just two of you. So you might have to make that journey more than once. So I pulled 10 gallons of water the entire way with me. That wasn't my drinking water source, but just there as a symbolic weight showing what people have to go through to get water. Uh, this event coming up in July, 30 miles a day for 30 days, is kind of revisiting the essence of the cross-country trip where we can do all this fundraising to help people gain access to clean water. But, you know, if there's still people out there that don't have any sources, so every single day they must keep on walking, similar to how on the cross-country trip I had to walk every day to make it to the West Coast, and similar to how in July I'm going to have to walk every single day similar to how a child might have to do in order for them to try and find water. 
Now for the next picture, you kind of have my setup. I have a burly cargo kit, which if you're unfamiliar with what they are, they're more or less attachments that you can attach to the back wheel of a uh, bicycle and pull cargo. People pull their kids. People sometimes drag their kids. Whatever works better for you. And so I had this little attachment that attached to my waist and I pulled the water inside it the entire way. On my back was a very typical camping backpack that I had like my food. Uh, I had my personal drinking water source. I had camping gear, a little bit of everything to make sure that if I couldn't find a place to sleep, I'd be okay. And enough to make sure that if I was consistently walking every single, if I was walking three days in a row without hitting a, I guess like a gas station or a food store, I'd have enough with me to just be okay. And, you know, more or less never ran into any serious issues or anything. Similar to what's happening in July, 30 miles a day for 30 days, when you look at the entirety of the number 900, or for the cross-country trip, 3,250, the number is extremely exhausting. It's huge, and there's a lot of ground to cover. So I'm readopting the same mentality where instead of looking at it as this big, large event, we're going to take it one week or one day at a time and make sure we're planning accordingly to build the right amount of strength, as well as have a proper recovery routine to avoid any issues that I might be having. During this walk, and we'll talk about it shortly, there were days where I didn't walk at all because I wanted to relax for a bit, or I hit, made, it, made it to a really cool town and wanted to enjoy it. Um, and then there were some days where I had to walk 56 miles uh, across the deserts in Nevada. So we'll talk more about that very shortly. Uh, <laughs> I love this picture because I kind of miss the, all my endurance events more or less revisit all of the food that I ate during my cross country walk. Uh, it's just what has always sat well within my stomach. Uh, so I could be running all day in the high heat and revisit these foods and be completely okay. Now, during the event in July, some of the foods that sit best with me are similar to what was on the cross-country trip. We have ramen, we have bagels and peanut butter, we have bacon, we have, uh, what else do we have? We have Pop-Tarts, I'm gonna eat a lot of Pop-Tarts. Uh, we have coffee, all the good stuff and all the sugary goodness that we will need to keep on going forward. Uh, and if you visit me at the right time, we will drink pickle juice together straight from the jar. Uh, but you bring your own jar, it's COVID. Um, so let's break the journey into a few specific areas. So we're in New Jersey, we're heading to the West Coast. Now I'm sure a few of you have driven across the United States, so you kind of already have an idea of what it's like or what the different ge you know, geographical areas of the USA is like. And so we're gonna visit the first big problem area I experienced, and that was right as I crossed the Mississippi River into you know the Great Plains portion. For me, that was going through Iowa, that was going through Nebraska, and that was going through Eastern Colorado. This is where the trip got very spread out, and uh, I made it past the Mississippi River on the 4th of July, actually, uh, and we kind of have what this picture shows. Now, if you're listening on audio, what we see is just a dirt gravel road going straight for miles, and to our left and to our right are just a lot of fields of soy. Sometimes there was corn, uh, sometimes there was wheat, but the biggest challenge here is that you notice there's nothing in between. Depending on how far the next town is, is how far I have to walk, so that could be anywhere from 18 to 36 miles. 
and also you don't notice any trees or anything. This area is probably more humid than it is on the East Coast. If you ever, or if you're not from the East Coast, it's extremely humid here. And one of the biggest challenges I faced in this environment was that, you know, it would already be 98 degrees at 9 a.m. And then you throw on 70% humidity. And then you also throw on the heat sometimes coming off the asphalt that you kind of really have to plan accordingly to get past and through these points. And a lot of these days I was walking 30 miles and just the high heat would completely, you know, zap all of my energy. I would have enough water to stay hydrated, but I really had no physical ability or way to avoid uh, heat exhaustion. And so there were many times during this portion of the trip where I had to try and find ways to kind of relax and cool down. Uh, dur during this run in July, you know, if you're not from New Jersey, in July it can get extremely hot, but not only will it be a high heat, it'll also be a high heat index, so we can expect, you know, pretty high humidity. So I'm kind of revisiting the essence of this portion of the trip, where today I'm walking 30 miles, I need to find somewhere to sleep, luckily I have a home, I need to eat, recover, and relax, and then I have to do it again the next day, and then the next day, and so on. So as long as I'm recuperating and I have a good base, I'll be okay. The next portion of the trip, which is probably a lot of your guys' favorites, is the Colorado Rockies. We all know the Rockies. It's beautiful. We got mountains. I just like showing you this picture because this is the one time it held golf balls on me, and it hurt. Now, the next photo uh, is the West Coast. Oh, oh, sorry, approaching the West Coast. We have. Um, Utah and Nevada here. This portion was probably the most challenging because the only area I could hike was on an interstate. You know, the one road going from um, more or less Salt Lake City all the way to Reno. It's about an 85 mile per hour road. And in between you have pictures like this where it's just for, as far as the eye can see, miles or just what is like, or sorry, is it salt uh, at, or usually just kind of a typical desert environment. And you know, this is the first 100 miles going from Salt Lake City all the way to Nevada to the first town. And it was just very exhausting because no, I had no one to talk to. Uh, it was just purely exhausting because I had to try and move through 106 miles of no resupply or no extra water. And the area was just completely barren, but wonderfully enough, I kind of broke those portions into two days of walking, doing about 50-ish miles. Uh, and making it kind of across eventually to the best photo ever, where for the very first time, I have nowhere more to walk west. This is the first time I reached the Pacific Ocean. And the next day, I will begin my journey north about 14 miles to San Francisco at the Golden Gate Bridge, kind of ending my journey, which is extremely exciting. I was so happy. Uh, and as shared before, you know, UPS saw about this, it got good attention. And next thing I know is beginning kind of the planning process to Mission Clean Water and coming back to the East Coast. But what's very important is this, you know, began really the addiction into the endurance lifestyle that has led to where I am now, which is preparing to run 30 miles a day for 30 days. I'm going to stop sharing my screen so we can look at each other. And so the one thing I want to talk about is that now this kind of began the journey into focusing 
on developing Mission Clean Water, and this began focusing on developing kind of my endurance lifestyle. Now, I'm sure a lot of us have friends that have done multi-day hikes. Uh, maybe other people know people that have walked across the United States or have done like the Appalachian Trail or something. And one of the biggest challenges I was facing when I completed that was, you know, when you're in a race environment where you're constantly pushing yourself, you're experiencing all these changing emotional highs, emotional lows. You're discovering so much about yourself. You're, the chemicals in your body that make you happy and sad are going crazy and then you're done, and then pretty much everything pauses. You know, for me, I had made it all the way across the USA, made it to San Francisco, and then I had to assimilate back to normal life. I just remember sitting in a, in a cafe in San Francisco, drinking coffee, like, what's going on? It's so confusing. I had no idea, this is, this is such, so weird to me. And so you probably still have people do like the Appalachian Trail or something, and their initial reaction is to do the next big long hike, but I wanted to focus that energy somewhere else, and that was in developing Mission Clean Water as a sound and you know high-quality nonprofit organization. But then also figuring out what I wanted to do next endurance-wise, because at this point I'm hooked, and you know I can't naturally stop. You know I had the marathons, then I took the next step up and did this cross-country trip. Uh, do I take the next harder step and go from there? And I discovered what the next hardest step was going to be. And during my marathons, I remember talking to someone at um, one of the start lines and they're like, yeah, I'm doing this to train for a, for a 50 mile run. And I was like, you can't, that's not allowed. You can't do that. That's, no, you know, it's illegal. It's, it's not fair. Uh, but then I realized like there's something, this is back in 2016, that there is an actual ultra distance community that do 50 and 100 mile runs. And I was like, this is baffling. Why would anyone do this to themselves? And now I realized why. Uh, and what kind of pushed the line a little bit farther for me was during my cross-country walk, I fell in love with Lake Tahoe and you know, just enjoyed that environment, stayed there for so long. And I remember getting there the very first day and I'm looking around and I see field tape everywhere or similar to what we use as markers during our different races. And I see this field tape of different colors everywhere. I'm like, what is going on? There's a race happening. Some guy passed me with a number on him. And a guy ran up to him. It's like, are you okay? It's been 72 hours. Are you still making it? And I was like, what is going on? And I found out it was the Lake Tahoe Rim Race, the 200-mile race there. And I was like, what a cool thing to experience. I didn't know this was a thing. And once I heard about that, I was like, I want to do this someday. And so that kind of began the natural progression to doing more events like these. And once I made it back to the East Coast, a lot of you have been involved in some in the past, which has kind of led the beginning training to where we are now preparing for what we have prepared for July, which we're going to talk about more now. But more or less since then, every fall and every spring, I've done some sort of different endurance event to properly prepare myself and to kind of push the line consistently. There's been simply a 24-hour walk. We've done 100-mile races. We did a Mount Everest challenge, you know, climbing the height of Mount Everest on a really steep hill. That was fun. Uh, and we carried five gallons of water for 100 miles over 32 hours. All these tons of fun things to begin preparing for this. And, you know, endurance events and the cross-country walk just gets your mind into this, this set where you want to you constantly explore the unknowns you want to push yourself to these realms you've never been before. And so you keep on trying to get a little bit harder and harder, at least for myself. And this has led 
to the idea of running 30 miles a day for 30 days, yes, to fundraise for clean water projects. Now we're gonna revisit uh, my, pre my PowerPoint presentation, if I can find it. Boom, so I'm just gonna keep it like this, no need to go to presentation mode. So here we are. I'm really excited, we're two weeks away. I'm like, I went to the park today where I'll mostly be doing this and I just get filled with excitement and emotion. And I can't wait to be really begin this run because so much has gone into preparing and training for this. Uh, and we have where we are now, the final preparation for running 30 miles a day for 30 days. Uh, I'm really excited for this event for multiple reasons. I'm gonna go back to sharing my screen. I really like these kind of multi-day events, um, you know, with a single event compared to a multi-day event, singly speaking, you know, you're doing all these miles and all this training to prepare for one specific moment. But now for myself, I'm kind of preparing it mentally as I'm taking all of these miles and all of these hills I've climbed to prepare for these 30 different moments, these 30 different days where I'm mentally preparing myself to run, recover, and do it again. Similar to how someone walking to try and find water is running every, or not running, but walking every single day to try and move and get water. And more or less, you know, I've, I wanted to do something like this for quite some time. And the original idea was to, you know, do something continuously. And we just overall decided on 30 miles, at least to me, is the good enough distance where each and every single day, there is a level of unknown territory I have to approach to be successful each and every single day. Something might happen that I just didn't know was going to, that I can't, you know, I can't plan for every risk. And so each day has that exciting moment where I get to experience that challenge and push through afterwards and see how I personally handle it. And usually the way I handle it is eating a Snickers bar that has me going every single time. But we're gonna try and really talk about the three different realms I've been focusing on for pretty much the past six months to be prepared and ready for this specific run. And this focuses really on the physical running aspects. So, you know, the actual miles and the actual time put in to run and practice the pace. There are the strength focuses. So you wanna make sure your body's strong. You know, I believe every runner should be doing regular strength training. And that was definitely a very important part for what I've been doing. And then, most importantly, what I've been spending the most, at least the most of my time learning about, which I haven't really done at all in the past, is recovery, uh, which, you know, for the amount of miles that I'm running, or let's say I run an hour regularly, you know, I'm spending almost double that each day focusing and developing my own little recovery and things. So let's first talk about, what should we talk about? Let's talk about running. Um, we all have, you know, our favorite shoes, our favorite clothes to wear. And, you know, one of the important parts about running and getting those miles in, not besides training yourself and getting that baseline up, there's also making sure all the gear you have and everything is properly working the way you want it to. And so I really wanted to try and push my miles to make sure that the clothes and things that I was wearing and using were really going to push those lines and everything. And so my routine really didn't leave so far away from what a typical 100 mile event 
training program could look like. And if you're unfamiliar with that, a very easy way of explaining it is that typically for a 100 mile run, you're more or less told to gradually pick yourself up. So, you know, or gradually go up in the distance races. So you have, uh, what is it? You have, you know, a marathon, 50K or 31 miles. We got 50 milers, 60, or 50 milers, you know, some 60 mile races all the way eventually to 100 as a good way of planning and prepping to consistently go up. And throughout those entire weeks, you're more or less practicing doing 60, 70 miles a week as part of your training program. And usually those can be extended throughout four months, but I kind of took this as a larger, larger spectrum and really tried making sure that I was hitting those distances regularly and not progressing too high. So, you know, if I was having issues planning to do 70 miles a week, I was focusing on recovery and making sure that I could run 70 miles successfully every single week and not have any strain or issues with my muscles or anything that I'm properly prepping and preparing to go to the next goal, which is 80 miles a week and slowly progressing until where I was last week, um, which last, I guess, from last, two Fridays ago to last Friday uh, was kind of my big tester for everything. I did it. 18 miles uh, every single day for seven days, just to see how I handled everything. How is my body holding up? Is my pace that I decided on actually working? Are the electrolytes that I'm drinking sitting well in my belly? How's the humidity? Uh, how's the day? All that fun stuff. Uh, overall, I handled it extremely well. I was very happy with the results. Uh, and now that it's two weeks out, my mileage has gone from what was usually 100 to 120 miles a week um, for the past three weeks or so, now down to just making sure I'm getting a few miles in, you know, my engine or my body is getting some good fuel and, you know, getting a few good things in, but not pushing the line too much anymore, because since we're so close to July, you know, pushing that baseline might not really uh, help or might risk any, any sort of injury. So right now we're just relaxing and eating a lot of ice cream, but that's nothing new. Uh, and one thing I want to add to the running is that, you know, I follow also the routine where during the weekdays uh, is kind of low mileage, you know, anywhere from five to nine miles, where it's a constant switch between, you know, interval runs. So some fast, you know, going between fast and slow, some hill runs, you know, making sure I'm getting good elevation. And then, you know, just making sure I'm recovering from those and doing it again. And then on the weekends was when I had my two back-to-back -back long days to practice that good distance, practice that good pace, you know, be able to do 20 mile or even some 30 mile days back to back and be okay. Uh, it's always really, I remember when I started practicing some of these very long distances, uh, this runner from Westfield, I met at Tamakwas Park one day, uh, you know, more or less asked me if I had a job and I was like, yeah. And he's like, well, running's also your full-time job too, because I was putting so much time and he was seeing me so often while running. That was a lot of fun. Uh, the next thing we can talk about is strength. Now, I don't know really anything about strength. I never considered myself an expert uh, besides just being able to go to a gym and doing leg workouts. Uh, I felt the pain. I didn't know what it actually did, but I assumed it was helping. So I accepted the fact that I don't know what I'm doing, even though I kind of watched videos and seen plenty of things and focused on seeking some professional help to make sure that I am really building the right type of strength. What I've learned naturally running is that my left side or my left leg is much more dominant. 
And so it's constantly compensating for my right side. So I wanted to try and find a way to balance that out. Uh, and I really didn't know how to. And it's also the time of COVID, or it's been, you know, the past few months. And, you know, I obviously can't go to a gym and I don't know what the right or best type of exercises are. Uh, so wonderfully enough, one of my partners uh, is a physical therapist office, performance rehabilitation in uh, Wachung. They kind of coached me through the proper routine of proper stretching as well as proper strength exercises. And during that 18 mile run, I was flying and felt so wonderful because my left side was just no longer shot from compensating the other side and it felt just absolutely incredible to do. And was able to really focus on targeted exercises to build that proper strength. And that was extremely helpful uh, and without really pushing the line. So I was you know, more or less in debt to them because of it. So if you don't know too much about strength, you know, talk to your friend that's a physical therapist or see when your gym opens up. Uh, now, the last thing I want to talk about, which is the most important, which at least for me has been recovery. Uh, now, if you took the actual running recovery and strength part of it, I probably spend about, you know, 70 to 75% of my time on the recovery aspects. Uh, because, you know, I've just have read a lot of different books from different ultra marathoners and different people. And, you know, there's this kind of just seems to be this focus that I feel like not a lot of people talk, not a lot of people talk about, which is kind of the recovery and nutritional aspects to make sure that your body is able to fully recover from the runs that you're doing so you can kind of continue to move forward. And so at least for me, again, that physical therapist office performance rehabilitation and Wachong uh, really helped me be able to identify where I'm sore and where that's actually leading to different issues. So I know if my calf is super sore, I could be planting on my foot wrong or something's not working when I'm moving my hips from my boots or something. They've been extremely helpful to diagnose issues. So during my actual run, I know how to properly plan for these different issues. Uh, but you know, each day, even if I don't run, is spent doing stretching, uh, you know, through different yoga practices, like different hip openers and such. I have fallen in love with my foam roller. Uh, we have a new relationship. It's wonderful. It's extremely painful, but I absolutely love it. Uh, I purchased a massage gun during the holiday. There's some cheaper ones that I've gotten that has just been used every single day. And then I have a few friends that have been extremely helpful in looking at the different, what I'm eating each and every single day and what nutritional, what proper parts of my nutrition that I am missing. So some supplements, that have made sure that my joints stay healthy, I'm getting all my vitamins, and I'm pretty much all set and good to go. Um, all I'm eating is a Flintstone vitamin, so it actually works out very well. It's a gummy, it's delicious. Now, um, <laughs> those are kind of the, the main aspects and putting it all together, I've adopted this routine that I will maintain during my actual run, and everything that's gonna be happening very soon is extremely exciting. And extremely overwhelming because I know the journey is going to be extremely hard. Uh, I think I did like the rough math and it's like 1.8 million steps I'll be taking and a majority of those steps are, is going to be me mentally pushing through the different pains and experiences that I'm having. And so what we can try and plan and expect that I am figuring will happen based on who I've talked to uh, I've gotten advice from some people that have completed the self-transcendence race in, in the Bronx. I believe it's in the Bronx, yeah. Um, if you're unfamiliar with, with, what, with, with what that is, 
It's a 3,500 mile race. I'm pretty sure it's the longest in the world, but it's probably on the world's shortest track. There's just one loop around the Bronx and I think the Jamaica area. Uh, and these people are completing 56 miles a day. I had a chance to talk to a few of them and just hear their different strategies, strategies and different suggestions while I'm actually running. Um, so the overall plan as of right now is each, um, so I'm gonna be mostly at Tamaquas Park in Westfield. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with what that is or where it is, it's a park. Uh, it's a 0.8 mile loop that's a gravel pack and inside that circle are a bunch of baseball fields and such. And um, I'll more or less be doing 37.5 loops a day at that park, uh, which kind of creates a little mental challenge of being bored, but I have a good plan for that. Uh, and so pretty much each 10 minutes, I'll be switching between running six minutes and walking four minutes or running five minutes and walking for the other five minutes and constantly switching between this pace to make sure my body is getting a good mix of the high intensity from running, but also the low intensity and partially recovery from walking too as well. Uh, to stay on a good distance marker, what I'll be doing is more or less walking at a decently fast pace just to make sure everything is consistently moving and going forward. Um, one of the biggest things I've actually had to practice, uh, which I, I guess might be a little bit overlooked, because it seems simple is actually, and probably where most of my soreness has come so far has been the transitional period from walking into running and running to walking. Because I think mentally and naturally speaking, our bodies think, you know, we're running, our heart's pumping, we're feeling good, and then we slow down and now we're walking. I think mentally speaking, our body tends to think we're done. Now it's time to relax and reset. And, you know, we're done exercising for the day. But now we kind of have to train our mind and train our body to use this as a chance to kind of relax, stay active and really move forward. Walking and running are also really two different exercises, I guess you can say. And because I'll be walking at a three and a half to four mile per hour pace, I'm really throwing my legs forward. I like it to call, I call it the pace where you're like in a rush to make it to the bathroom and you might not. So it's fast, you gotta move but that it's a very long leg motion, um, which has made my hips very sore. So as a result, I've just had to make sure I practice that transitional period a lot to have good success. Um, and so I'll more or less kind of beginning and you know, doing this transitional period of running and walking. And what we can expect is at least on the first day, uh, I'll be just pumped with adrenaline, so excited. I'm like, I'm really excited right now to think about it. Uh, and then, you know, towards the end of that day and into day two and into day three, there'll just be this level of soreness that will build. We're going to do all that we can to properly recover, but it's just going to keep on building. And this is what I've been told by some people I've talked to until about day six or day seven, let's hope. And until at that point, our body's kind of used to what's going on. We're kind of relaxing a bit. And as long as we're pushing forward mentally, we should be okay because each and every day your mind's gonna play tricks on you and you just kind of have to find new ways to dig deep and go forward. For me, it's listening to music and eating chocolate. Now, the other point of exhaustion really comes uh, when you make it to the last 25%, because at that point you're just mentally exhausted and very excited to be you know, very close to finishing. So 
So the only thing pushing you forward is the sheer focus of being so close to the finish line. Uh, and so I'm kind of just going with this mental idea of prepping each day, only looking at day one, not looking at day seven, you know, focusing on day one, focusing on day two, and so on and so forth to make this trip or to make this journey, not one 30 mile journey, but you know, 30 or yeah, 30, 30 day journeys instead of one long one making it into a, a little bit of a smaller spectrum. And I'm excited because it's revisiting the essence of a cross-country trip solely because each and every single day is another day after that, similar to how if someone doesn't have water, each day they have to get up and walk again. So if the next day is planning to be 100 degrees and high humidity, we got a plan for that. And then the next day, if it's going to be raining, afterwards we'll be planning for that too. So I'm just really excited to get out there. Uh, I've like learned how to run in a circle a lot by doing this loop many times. So I'm kind of excited for that too. I know people ask kind of like, that's like the one thing people say that's bad is like, how do you do the loop? And I'm like, it'll be okay. Um, I'm going to reshare my screen one more time for y'all. My mouse moves. So back at the presentation. Um, so I'm very excited for everything going on. If you want to learn more, what you can do is you can text 30 miles to 44321. Um, it'll give you the URL so you have direct access to the event and you can see everything going, going on, excuse me. Um, when you go to that webpage and you scroll a little bit down, there will be two links. One will be a link to the Facebook page we have going, or sorry, the Facebook event page, where I'll be uploading just daily uh, messages and you know sharing how each and every single day went. So day one, two, and three, and so on. Um, the other button leads to oops. yes, slide show. Uh, the other button leads to the different virtual aspects that we have. So here are some of the lists of for our virtual run that we're doing as part of this event. Originally, I wanted to try and get tons of people to come join and run with me, but just because of the environment going on with COVID and everything, we can't have you know so many people together at the park. So we have all these different virtual aspects for people to join. You know, stuff as small as a one up to 10k, and then stuff you can do every single day be a part of the journey. Um, and then I want to share some other information about Mission Clean Water that could be helpful for some other people. So as we probably have, as probably as you've seen today, you know, exploring and being in nature and running have been such big avenues for me that for Mission Clean Water, I want the same opportunity for everyone else. And so we've created our adventure or race for clean water program where more or less, if you want to do a race or you want to hike the Appalachian Trail or go on a hike or go somewhere very specific, um, we'll fully fund your trip for you as long as you raise three times the cost uh, towards clean water. Uh, and so, did I miss anything? I don't think so. I'll end on this note. So thank you all for listening. I always end it with a picture of a dog because dogs are adorable and you made it this far, so thank you. Uh, here is our email and our website. You're welcome to contact me or just type my name into Facebook and we'll talk directly. Um, so yeah, I don't think, I don't know what I, I probably missed a lot of things. Let me know what I missed. That was awesome, James. That Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'm so glad you also shared a lot about your cross country trip. Cause I know people were interested in that and I haven't heard the whole story either. 
um, other than what's been online. So that was really awesome. Yeah, that was definitely, you know, a quicker excerpt of it. Um, you know, there's obviously very specific stories. Oh, I did. It took me 143 days to complete. I forgot that in detail. Um, yeah, it's, it's always so much fun to share about it. And like, I guess, mentally speaking, when I think about what's about to happen in July, it's a lot of the mental capacity that happened during the cross country trip, because every single day you're moving and pushing through the pains and things that you have. Like, for example, during the cross country trip, you know, I had one specific issue with a blister that just healed wrong and I was on a limp for like 10 days. But if that happens, it's something you have to be able to manage because you have to move each and every single day. Uh, so it's kind of revisiting that mental aspect. So I'm like very, very excited for that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. Okay, so before we open it up to Q&A from the mm. chat, we've got some rapid fire questions for you. So okay. you, you want anything to you want, by the way, you guys can just go for it. Oh yeah, we, we, already got, we got a couple of good questions, which are <laughs> great. Uh, we're gonna ask some goofy ones because uh, you know we like to have fun here. Uh, <laughs> so just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Uh, don't think about it too much. And we've got about 10 of them. Okay, obviously this is the most important question. Do you believe in Sasquatch and have you ever seen him? You know, there's times I'm hiking in the Catskills and I don't know if it's a black bear or something bigger. Uh, you know, I'm going to keep on searching for him. I believe he lives in that area or she, I'm being more inclusive. Uh, so they're out there we just got to keep on, keep on looking for Sasquatch or bears. That's a good answer. I, I approve. Um, okay. Next one. All time favorite movie. Don't even think about it. What comes to your mind? <laughs> uh, it's going to be a throwback. Uh, probably my, like, if you were to go all time, all time. Uh, it is Caddyshack. Uh, Caddyshack, all right. So that's just like, that was one of those movies that was probably on the most as a kid. Uh, during like the day, it was just on on Comedy Central. Yeah. So I would always just like watch it. Even if it was like halfway through, I'd probably see the entire thing. Uh, and it's just like that, that, that quirky, you know, comedy that has led on to, you know, similar movies today. Awesome. Uh, okay, next one. Um, if you had to sing karaoke right now, what song would you choose? <laughs> um, oh. So. Quick, it, go, go, rapid fire. Uh, it's, it's, it's Rihanna's um, You Better Have My Money, being PG. Yeah. Uh, I always thought that would be really funny to do in front of a crowd, even if you don't know anyone. But if everyone... Uh, has been there for a while. Uh, a Lion King sing along always goes very far too. Yes, classic, classic. Um, okay, next one. What running shoes will you be wearing for the July challenge? Uh, I will be using the, I think there's multiple kinds, but I'll be using uh, the New Balance 880s, I believe they're called. Um, I use them for previous events. They've worked very well for me. Uh, I think the version I have is meant for a wider foot. And so that has just been very successful for me. Never had any blisters. But I think with that question, what is also important are the type of socks that you use, which I'm very methodical about. And I think that's helped me a lot too. <laughs> awesome. All right, next one. Um, if you could have any superhero power, what would it be? Uh, I think running really fast is cheating. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've always wanted to, I've always wanted to fly. I think that's, it's simple, but it's there. Um, I'm 
this is rapid fire, so I'm not thinking of good ones, but it just sounds amazing to go really high in the sky, flip over, read a book, and then come back down. Love it. It's great. Um, next one, Michigan Clean Water, obviously it is your dream job, but if you had to choose another career totally unrelated, what would it be? Oh, um, I would love, I mean, I guess I also have a separate job to pay bills and things, which is, you know, being a rock climbing manager. So easy said would be something focused around outdoor recreation, uh, love Frisbee, love climbing, love all the activities. And it's just fun to try and share that, that passion with people. Awesome. Okay. One more before we hop into the chat and see what Let's questions we are. Uh, what is one sport you've always wanted to try, but never have? Oh my God. Um, I've always, this is going to sound simple. I've always wanted to try hockey. I am a terrible skater and I, try, I skate once or twice a year and I want to get to the point where I'm good enough. I can keep up with people on the ice at some level but that'll be a very long time that it happens. Uh, I have had friends that are very good at skating do circles around me and I will never be at that level. <laughs> awesome. All right, I'm gonna scroll through the chat real quick, see what questions we've got. We definitely got a, we've got a couple here. Awesome. Um, let's see. All right, first one. First, your clean water mission is really commendable. Questions. How did you train to mentally spend all the hours by yourself traveling across the US? Is there anything you would have done differently? Did the solitude affect you? And also, have you visited the girls in Africa, the girls school in Africa? If so, what was that like? Lastly, what is your ultimate goal for the clean water mission? Sorry, that was like 10 questions. <laughs> it's all the same person. So. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, just keep it there in case I missed any of those questions. Yeah. That's actually a good question. And just something I wanted to talk about that I didn't. Um, and what trained me for the solitude of the cross country trip um, is if was mostly the marathons and moving to West Virginia, I guess you can say. Um, so because I was carrying so much water, you know, I would finish each marathon in between six and six and a half hours. So it's a long time out there. But there are also, you know, other people in that time frame completing the race. And we were usually always together. Or we were never together, but we we're always, you know, the last ones uh, to finish. Because, you know, I had to do a wide amount of races, some as big as the New Jersey Marathon, some really small. What trained me for that solitude and what trained me to keep moving at extremely low moments was the sole fact that I was completing a marathon past five and a half hours or so. Now, I forgot to say this. Now, if there's anyone here that has completed a marathon, you know, I guess above five hours or so, I give you so much credit compared to some of the other runners because what a lot of people don't realize is, you know, once you break off from the half marathon and you're kind of below the average pace, you are by yourself. So that means you can be by yourself from the very beginning or from the 10 mile marker. And that happened a lot to me. Um, so there were times where I wouldn't see or talk to anyone during the entire race. Now, most marathons start maybe around like seven o'clock or a little bit at eight o'clock or so. And they do their award ceremony at 1030 and pack up around that time too, or maybe 11 o'clock or 1130 while you are still running. So at that point, you're at mile 17 
and a lot of the aid stations are gone. There's no one cheering for you. You make it to the finish line, and there's one volunteer there to hand you your medal. Uh, no people, you know, cheering for you or anything. So that kind of created the mentality and mindset where I'm exhausted. I'm going to keep moving to make it farther along the line, uh, and I will find in a way, you know, I will find a unique way to reward myself as well. Uh, that was a hardest thing to try and figure out during the cross country trip because I'd be walking one road for 14 miles with trucks passing me. And I had to, and I was that just exhausted me. But I had to figure out a way when I finished my day to reward myself. And so that a lot of times would be with you know something like a Snickers bar or chocolate or going to the you know best local restaurant and having some a really big meal. So helping with those really you know awful areas was just finding ways to emotionally pick myself up, whether through, most of the time was through food, then it was through um, music, uh, a lot of comedy that I listened to on my phone uh, or my iPod and different ways to kind of keep myself happy during the entire time. And it helped me push through that sol those solitude moments. Uh, this specific girls school in Uganda, I have visited before during my last trip to Uganda and I guess the previous two, um, I spent about a week there or so because we want to make sure with our projects, we're working very closely with the school and the different communities in the area to make sure we're providing a, the right type of project that they want to help develop their ownership over the project. We want it to be solely community focused. So I've spent a lot of time talking to the teachers of this school, the administration, um, I guess the superintendents, if you want to call it that, and the students to figure out what will be best for them and to make sure that they have a stake and a part in the entire project uh, to see its full development. But I have been there many times. Uh, these girls range from um, seventh grade up to 12th grade, so the end of high school, which is more or less anywhere in between ages 12 to 18. Uh, and uh, I love them because they're very vocal in sharing the issues that they have and we're very excited to go through with this project and develop a clean water and you know hygiene solution for them. Um, what were some of the other questions in that one? Uh, you touched on all of them. Just the last one oh, awesome. was, um, what is your ultimate goal for the clean water mission? So it's a beautiful question. Um, my ultimate goal is kind of two things. So my ultimate goal is at Mission Clean Water is to make sure as a nonprofit organization, we are constantly holding ourselves to a high level of quality for our projects and a high level of transparency for our donors so that we can increase how many projects we're completing and not reduce the quality that we want to make sure these projects are long-term and fully developed. And hopefully with, as those grow, uh, Mission Clean Water will become my full-time paid position because right now we're a little small for that to happen. Uh, and you know, together as we grow, we hold ourselves very highly to those standards and uh, never lose them. So I guess that's kind of where I see ourselves, just moving forward and making sure we're a good example for the nonprofit community. Awesome. All right, next question from Bailey Lewis. You mentioned that you are very true to your socks. What brand do you wear? Oh, uh, <laughs> um, I've been experimenting with a lot of new ones recently. Um, the main ones I have fallen in love with so first, at least for my socks, I would show you on my leg, but I have a bad sock tan. Um, I like going above my ankle uh, for the socks because if I use them that are like, I guess the no-show socks, 
they sometimes have the tendency, at least for me, to move around a lot. Or like you'll be moving, you'll you'll be running, and I'll go like you'll slowly get pulled down, uh, leading to blisters. At least for me, so I have stopped using those. So I go Ankleheim. There are two companies. Uh, I'm not. I just I believe in them. I'm not sponsored. Uh, there's a company called Stance. Uh, they make normal socks, but they just have really good running socks that have just always worked very well for me. I've used them in previous events and have lasted me very long. Then I recently found a company called. I might, I'm probably gonna be saying it wrong. It's called like Zenha or something like that, like Z-E-N-S-A-H. Um, they're just very good performance style socks and they have really cool designs on them uh, and they have worked extremely well for me. So I'll probably kind of be continuing to use those. Awesome. All right, I think we've got one or two more. Awesome. Um, Rebecca Constant. Ask, so what did you do about shoes cross country? Um, can't imagine you wearing the same ones for 3,000 miles. <laughs> Very good question. Um, so I had to switch my shoes out four different times. Um, one of the times was because the rubber soling of the shoe, like the bottom of the shoe, melted because the asphalt was so hot. Um, but I actually went with Solomon's the entire time. I kind of wanted a multi-use style shoe. Solomon's have always worked really well for me. They have good impact. Uh, and they're also just a really friendly company too. What, like the, one of the reasons I used them was because a friend told me that her brother was hiking the Appalachian Trail. And he was like, he emailed them saying, hey, I love Solomon's. Any chance you might be able to help me out and send a pair? And they did. Uh, so that was one of my motivational reasons to use them because they have a good community focus and they did the same thing for me. Uh, so they were very helpful during the cross country trip. Not only did I have Solomon shoes, um, but I also had, uh, the super feet insoles, the green ones. I think I'm saying that that's the right name. Yeah. Uh, they were really helpful, just insoles to make sure I was planting right on my foot and to kind of help the shoes longevity because I was on a tight budget. Awesome. Okay. Um, again, the cross country trip. How far in advance did you train for the cross country trip? Oh, I don't think there's an answer for that. Um, so, as you have probably noticed, once an idea gets into my head, it's more or less stuck, and I begin the planning process to pursue it. The training really never happened with the cross-country trip. My training was the simple fact that I lived in West Virginia and I was doing the marathons before that. I was hiking regularly with friends. I was climbing regularly with friends and I was just living this very outdoor lifestyle that began prepping me for, you know, the transient lifestyle of walking across the United States. So being comfortable with camping by myself, you know, being in charge of the situation at dark uh, to making sure that I'm recovering from all the miles and such that I was walking. I didn't, you know, solely, you know, pick training days to train for the distance of the cross country trip because I more or less figured because I'm out there for so long, my body will just naturally adapt to the situation as I continued forward. And I figured because with friends, I've done some 20 plus mile hikes 
that I wouldn't have any serious issues during the um, actual cross-country trip, which was somewhat true with the distance. I didn't have any serious issues. What killed me uh, since day one was the heat. Uh, that was just a hard thing I wasn't used to. Uh, almost passed out day one and day two, but was able to move forward after that. Awesome. Cool. All right. This is perfect. This is great. Just about nine o'clock. Um, so thank you so much for sharing your story with us, your okay. run venture. Thank um, you for having me. We will, again, be continuing to share your posts on our social media and mm -hmm. helping people get plugged in. So maybe just before you go, just recap real quick. If folks are listening, they want to get involved in your July challenge, where, where can they go? What can they do? Just real quick to recap that for people. Sure. So if you want to get involved with, with this July challenge, the 30 miles a day for 30 days challenge coming up, there are some very easy ways of becoming involved. There are the best way to do so is visiting kind of the URL. So that's missioncleanwater.org slash 30 miles. That's an easy way of, you know, seeing the page and being able to follow the story and follow all the virtual aspects of the event. Uh, besides that, you can also text 30 miles to 44321 and you'll get all the information you want about the event. Or you can just friend me on Facebook and we'll talk directly. I like new friends and I'll get you as much information as possible. Awesome. All right, James, thank you so much. We appreciate you taking time out of your day to, or your evening to chat with us. And um, we will see you out there in a couple weeks. Of course, sure. thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Awesome. All right. See you, James.